Those schoolgirl days of telling tales and biting nails are gone. But while in school, it is a different beat altogether. We don't need no education. Kindergarten over, school life begins. School is where best friends are made. Tiffin shared, stolen, first love, first crush, loads of tears, all of it and even four more. Efforts to fit in. All life lessons learned in that decade or so. And then class 12 gets over. College, the next stage. But hold on before that. Admissions. Sheesh. And the battle begins. Hours and hours of Google searches. Filling up forms. Mom, dad, grandpa, grandma. Just the entire fam chasing the timeline of admission forms. Important dates. Yeah, yeah. We are talking about class 12 students and the scene back home. Dude, life is tough for the Gen Zs. Adding to that, hiring slowdown. It is turning into a nightmare, especially for the final year students. In any normal year, students at most top league colleges would land up with lucrative job offers. But this year, things are not so cool. Even the most coveted colleges, IITs, IIMs back home, top colleges abroad are finding it tough to get lucrative offers for their students. Number of recruiters are down, offers are down, and so are the overall packages. 2024 is a killer. Options: either take up colleges back home, government, private, or fly abroad for graduating with a foreign degree. Wherever you go, it is just the same. Even among the foreign countries, Canada, which is a favorite of Indian students, has put a two-year cap on intake of overseas students. And so comes another blow. We were hoping to get good placement as usual, but there aren't any companies coming here. While there are numerous internship opportunities available, the overall job placement scenario is currently challenging. We are very, very anxious and very overwhelmed with the situation because we have taken so much of loan and we have come to study in these prestigious universities. Even students with a STEM degree are unable to find any recruitment. This is happening for the first time. I'm a bit concerned about the job prospects as well. 80% of the students are left this year without job, even though we have floated our CVs across companies. It's very hard to be recruited. Then what are the choices for those passing out from school this year? Or even for those students who will be in the coming years? Here, we will navigate you from the state of Dilulu to Silulu. Answering many of your questions on private colleges in India is Shiv Nada University Vice Chancellor Dr. Ananya Mukherjee talking on foreign colleges are Piyush Kumar Regional Director for South Asia and Mauritius at IDP Education and Adarsh Khandelwal co-founder Collegeify. Khandelwal also talks about why opting for a Desi college this year might just be a good idea. I am Prachi Verma, your host, and you're listening to Mission Admission on the Morning Brief. Almost 17 lakh students appeared for class 12 CBSE boards in 
as of January 2023, about 15 lakh Indian students were studying abroad, of which a majority were pursuing postgraduate courses. So, does this mean that Indian students are opting for Firang colleges to a Desi one? I first speak with Ananya of Shivnagar University. Here, she elucidates the benefits of joining a private college and how it stands out, especially in a tough job market like this. So, in terms of the current challenges, yes, I mean we are facing what all universities and institutions are facing. But I would say that you know our students are trained for a very wide variety of careers. The graduating students are very hungry for a variety of experiences. Several years ago, all those different talents were not really. So recognized, neither were they valued. But now, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's coding, or there's a societal opportunities of putting any of these talents and making them into a career is much more. So I find a lot of students, and particularly when they come here and they experience a variety of subjects which they can take here, because we have a really multidisciplinary curriculum, I find. that hunger quite high and so they try to combine many different things so i would say that it's most important for us either as parents or as institutions to recognize this in our students or in children that how can they flourish the most in in a most holistic way now ironically whenever parents think of that they think that this is not available in india so if this is what i want to do then my only option is to send my child abroad so yes it is true that abroad you have a lot of opportunities available to you before but it is not that in india it isn't so uh, an uh, a parent or a student who is not able to go abroad because of you know financial or family or other reasons should not think in this binary that if i stay home i only do x and if i can't go abroad then i that option is close to me so in india the options are uh, available and in terms of over subscription of seats i mean the demand for certain programs are extremely high and that's where the seats are most efficient because we as a society parents employers everybody has decided that that's where the jobs are so if i don't get computer science then i feel my life is over and i keep looking for an institution where i will get that one seat in uh, whatever is my desired uh, subject from here let us move to piyush of idp to understand why foreign colleges are gaining popularity among indians there are multiple reasons first and foremost as uh, you know all of us who live in india know that uh, india is a, a very young country right 50% of the people are below 25 years so the number of students who currently are in the school system would be more than 300 million and such a large number of students who come out of high schools every year uh, there is a dearth of quality institutions unfortunately in our country now people who are interested for example in science and engineering streams there are not more than you know 30 40 really good colleges out there right and even you know if you look at other streams the number of uh, really good quality institutions has not really grown as our population has grown so these students are left with no choice that either they get admission into one of these 
better quality institutions where the competition is very, very hard or else start preparing to go abroad for uh, higher education or they are left with nothing but uh, taking admission into, you know, second and third rung institutions where the quality of education is not good. Second, I think if you look at people who now are parents of such teenagers, right, uh, people who would be like my age, you know, they are more exposed to what's happening in the world. Our parents did not maybe get chance to go outside India. They were not aware, you know, there was this fear factor, uh, maybe some concerns, how life is there. But now, most of the parents have more exposure of what is happening around the world. Many of them would have traveled themselves, maybe on a vacation, maybe on an official company or their organization sponsored trips, etc. So they are more aware, they are more comfortable and hence more open that their kids, uh, if they want to go abroad, they are open to send them. So these two, I would say, is the primary reason. And obviously, third would be that as the Indian economy grows, uh, the per capita income definitely is growing, right? And people can afford to send their kids abroad, getting bank loans, etc. are easy. So now it's not that big a deal if someone is studying abroad, I mean, even if you compare some of the fee with some of the private institutions, there would not be too much of a difference. So why not send my child abroad where they can get complete global exposure and become global citizens, can maybe get some work experience there, etc. and all. It's all very, very good for the overall development of the child. Piyush, what kind of foreign colleges are actually the Indian students choosing? And uh, can we compare them with the top-notch institutes in India like IITs, IIMs and the other private colleges? You know, I would simply say, let's look at the rankings of these institutions, right? I mean, for example, one of the most popular rankings is called QS World Ranking. Now, if you look at the top 500 institutions, which is ranked by QS, there are only two Indian institutions which are part of that, right? Only two. Now, most of the kids who are going abroad are going to one of these top 500 QS ranked institutions. Let me give you a, you know, a country-wise breakup. So for example, the students who go to Australia, almost 35 to 40% of them join the absolutely elite universities of Australia, which are called group of eight. And all these group of eight universities will be part of top 100 institutions in the world. Similarly, if you look at the UK, almost like more than half of the students would be going to Russell Group universities. Similarly, if you look at US, now US has 4,000 plus institutions. So, you know, the number who would be going to top 100 ranked US universities would be a little lower, maybe only around maybe 4 to 5% of the total students who go through us to the US, but they still would be, I would say, pretty good number. And again, in Canada also, uh, the number of students who go to elite ones like uh, University of Toronto or University of British Columbia uh, would be on an average, at least somewhere between 50 to 100 in every institution. Now, okay. we also need to understand that if almost like 750,000 students are going from India to study abroad, uh, not everyone is going to get admitted to top 100 universities, right? But yeah. even if they get admitted to one of the top 500 institutions in the world, that would represent top 1% or top 2% universities across the world. Let us come back home, back to India. 
To get an understanding of the geographical mix of students in private colleges, I asked Ananya, is Shivnatha University attracting students only from the metros? So I'm very proud of the fact that we have students from all of India. So represented from uh, every state. And for example, you know, last year we launched a bachelor's program in design and we got applications from Ladakh to, you know, the extreme south. But then there are, you know, big bulks of students. 48% of our students are now from Delhi NCR. And then the south is a very big component. From the south, we have especially a large contingent of engineering students. And then for the rest of the programs from uh, all over India and from all kinds of schools, all kinds of backgrounds in terms of also socioeconomic background, you know, uh, our graduating batch size is about 600 or so. We are a small university by design. Fiyush, are only Indian students from big cities heading to foreign colleges? What is your take on this? You know, one trend which we have definitely seen is that in the last two, three years, the number of students who are going to study abroad from tier two and tier three cities of India has been increasing very fast. So earlier, maybe five years, six years back, a very large majority of the students who used to go abroad would be from tier one cities, maybe top 10, 15 cities of India. Now, a very significant proportion in the last five years has been coming out from tier two and tier three cities. So if you look at IDP education, five, six years back, we used to have only about 18 offices in India, you know, out of the top 10, 12 cities. Now we have 77 offices across 64 cities in India. Why? Because we see so much demand. And hence, you know, we have been present in all these cities so you can imagine in last five, six years from eight, 12 cities going to 64 cities, that would tell you that the students are really looking to go out and study abroad in you know institutions of their choice. I would easily say right now, almost like 30-35% of the students would be from these tier two, tier three cities. Some of the new cities where we really see students you know, being very, very interested for example, would be cities like, say, Trichy in Tamil Nadu, Vijayawada in uh, Andhra Pradesh, Dehradun, cities like Guwahati. So these cities are really now sending a lot of students to study abroad. So this is a very, very clear trend. A good faculty attracts the best of students. No institute can do without top-of-the-class faculty. Ananya? What is the faculty-student ratio? So our overall student-faculty ratio is about 1 is to 12. It differs between programs, but we try to keep it small and not go over, say, 1 is to 20. Because in some large mandatory courses, sometimes the uh, faculty ratio is higher. But we try to make it up with uh, all kinds of other mentoring and uh, support to students. We have a very large portion of faculty which has training abroad. Either faculty has done doctoral work or post postdoctoral work, or some of them have been involved in various different research capacities. And from top Indian institutions, engineering schools, as you can imagine, a large proportion of the faculty comes from the different IITs, old and new. Can you also give us an idea about the fee? 
So our tuition fee is different for different programs. So engineering management programs, you know, as everywhere are a bit higher. And then our social science and science programs are, you know, at par with other private institutions. So for our, say, computer science program where we receive the most applications, it's seven lakh per year, including hostel and tuition. And uh, in terms of the social sciences and the pure sciences, it is 4.5 lakhs, again, including tuition and living expenses. And then there are some management program. Uh, those are all at par with the computer science management design. Uh, these programs cost uh, a bit more, but the maximum we have is 7 lakhs. And then we have a whole range of programs around 4.5. Coming to you, Piyush, what is the fee structure for colleges abroad? Prachi, a lot of it depends on the country and the university which you're going to. Uh, just to give you a brief idea, uh, private universities are most more costly than public universities. Similarly, studying in the US, UK, and maybe Australia would be costlier than maybe studying in Canada or studying in New Zealand. But if I have to give you a broad range, the tuition fee per year would range anywhere between 20,000 US dollars to maybe 70, 75,000 US dollars. So this is what is the tuition fee. Apart from that, there are living expenses, which could be anywhere between 10 to $20,000 per year. Tuition fee and faculty are some factors while zeroing in on a college. Another important element is the course of choice. Let us hear from Ananya on the topics this season. So maximum number in computer science, then followed closely by um, electrical engineering is very popular. There's a, our undergraduate management degree, so that. And then we have our economics program and a program that has been quite recently launched. It's a joint program in economics and finance. So this is also proving to be very popular. Biotechnology, uh, we, our BSc research program in bio, biotechnology is also quite popular. Uh, take a look at how well some graduates are doing from programs which, uh, you know, you may not have thought has uh, potential. So look at in terms of our students who are going into the humanities and social sciences or in different branches of engineering, you know, in terms of the growth of infrastructure, there are 20 Mumbais to be built. So in a country like that, and where there are so many concerns about climate change and sustainability, parents alone cannot change the mindset because parents do need to uh, know that the children have a secure future. So society as a whole, we must come together to change the mindset. Um, you know, very recently we had an industry summit and I had many employers say that, you know, we are looking at the talent, which is kind of from non-traditional areas. And we are amazed at the kind of talent we see from a, a variety of disciplines, right? So as a society, we must get focused on nurturing talent, which is everywhere, and then thinking more broadly about application of that talent. So it's quite a balance, but the numbers reflect the overall trends. Computer science seems to be a favorite of Indian students. Piyush, what about the popular courses overseas? See, India as a country is crazy about STEM programs, which is science, technology, engineering, and maths. Almost three-fourths of the students who go out of India to various countries go for one of these programs. And the most popular program is related to computer science as of now. Now, 
there could be different slight variations like you know programs related to artificial intelligence or separate programs related to data science or cybersecurity etc because now there are specific programs in these fields so anything which has to do with computer science is the most popular choice you know i remember reading a data 2 years back that 52% of the indians who had applied to the us 52% had applied for computer science related programs and balance all programs were you know in total 48% so you know we indians are very fascinated by uh, you know technology and science related programs uh, apart from that business management is another area which is very very popular a lot of people go out for their mbas etc and all there are some new areas like for example healthcare these are becoming very very popular very recently students have started going into sports management kind of programs also which are very niche programs but is attracting quite a large number of students ananya you have been teaching at leading universities in canada for several years can you give us the idea what is missing in the higher uh, education space in india there is a real demand supply gap because we are an extremely aspirational society and we are an extremely young society and for that we need to create more educational institutions but in the educational institutions that we do have we need to create more access to quality so now the the quality gap is also very high and that causes parents another level of anxiety that yes i'm getting my desired subject in another university but will the quality of instruction will it be that high and the quality of instruction is very uneven right so how can we bridge some of that gap that's where i can say you know uh, universities which have a uh, good quality may do things like faculty training program this is something that we are very interested in is that you know how could we create more faculty training programs so that the overall quality of uh, certain disciplines or uh, you know universities and institutions in general can be pulled up now it is not easy because universities are in a competitive landscape and i we are also like that we are competing with each other in within this competition there also needs to be a, a collaborative uh, effort where we can bring resources together to increase the quality of the landscape i mean the educational ecosystem altogether so that wherever a student goes whatever they study they get some solid education and credentials and capabilities with which they can succeed in life indian higher education is evolving being a young country india has produced many ceos founders and top cxos for a large number of global companies and many of these have graduated from the indian schools and colleges i now move to adarsh who for the last two decades has been running collegeify his platform engages with at least 600 to 700 students every year to help them find seats in foreign colleges a handful are now opting for indian private colleges so is there a reverse trend this year he tells me more on this this year india is a good option if you are at least at an undergraduate level unless something really meaningful works out for example you got into a really specialized degree or you have made it into with a certain amount of scholarship at an undergraduate usa which is you know there is a list of scholarships you can look into from top schools so be specific to your plan of action generally we advise you to create a 10 year road map unless you don't find 
a program of really good value or something very technical which is not really in the indian ecosystem only at that scenario look at an international education the job markets currently globally are looking at students coming in with certain amount of work experience so if you are a fresher and you have not identified your industry and you want to land in the country and be optimistic that you will find a job in the first five companies you apply to there are some mismatch from an expectation view point very clearly so the prospect is obviously challenging from a 2024 recruitment perspective one has to be big in terms of networking what we are suggesting candidate is to apply to at least 300 350 places and you know i mean whether it is an ivy league or a non ivy league the hiring freeze or the overall scenario is for all the students adarsh uh, what is your advice to the indian students who are already studying in foreign colleges or um, even those who have just got admitted be cautious have a reason and a conviction behind your planning if you are really wanting to go abroad for the students who are in the industry or who are working currently in the us or canada try to hold on to the job and do not get into the masters leaving the job and if you do not land a position in the country you are working in come back to india there are a lot of opportunities here in the job markets a lot of demand is here so you can utilize your degree get the value here if you apply and a top school student may end up not landing anything even after high grades there is no correlation between a top school and a job east or west india is the best cliche but this more or less sums up the college admission scene this year campus placements are hit everywhere in the world india is still better poised than the west in terms of college placements chugging on the growth path boasting of strong gdp numbers india's story is strong based on my multiple conversations with experts tracking the education domain and the job market the impact on indian campuses is quite low compared to the foreign colleges all insulated by economic growth all in all a tough year yes it is answer to this fight it out this episode was brought to you by team economic times executive producers anupriya nair Anirban Chaudhary or Ajit Burman. Thank you for listening. And if you like this episode, do spread the word. All new episodes of the Morning Brief podcast drop every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. It streams on Amazon Prime Music, Jio Seven, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And of course, ET's own audio platform, ET Play. Have a great weekend ahead. All clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits mentioned in the description. <laughs>